Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Well, hey there, Slate Church. It's so good to see you. My name is Brandon Richardson. I'm uh, the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And uh, if you're noticing in my voice, it's like, hey, he sounds like he's sick. Uh, The answer to that question is yes. Yes, I am sick. And I've been sick all week, okay? Uh, The next question is, well, he shouldn't be in the studio. Um, Answer to that question is, I am in the studio, but I'm also just here with two other people, and they are way more than six feet away from me. I am like a contagion uh, in and of myself. Now, whether or not you believe in vaccines, I've got vaccinated, double dose. This is a head cold, not worried about it. But um, I just wanted to clarify that in case you're wondering, like, hey, what's with his voice? Now, what's with me sitting down? Because the voice is one thing, but here I am. And if you know anything about me, if this isn't your first time, you're like, this guy doesn't sit down. He runs around. And that's kind of the point. Like, I actually want this to be a message that's more reflective. Also, Tanner looks so cool uh, when he was recording in, in his chair. I was like, you know what? I need to look cool. I need to sit on a stool. And so, haha. <laughs> I need to look cool. I need to sit on a stool. And so today's message is on anger, the seven deadly sins. We're going through seven deadly sins. Tanner introduced it for us, and I want to read a passage of scripture out of Mark chapter 11, verse 12. The most notorious angry passage of the New Testament, the part of the Bible that looks back on the life of Jesus. It says this, now the next day, they, the disciples, were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any figs on it, uh, if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, but because it, because it was not the season for figs. Now, the way that this is translated is a little iffy, but um, I don't want to make a big point out of the fig tree. It's, it's odd, but we're not going to touch on it too much. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. This is a foreshadowing of the story that we're going to emphasize, okay? He's already irritated, but he's irritated for good reason. It's a foreshadowing of what is about to happen. So on reaching Jerusalem, where the temple was located, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those those who were buying and selling there. Okay, it says that he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. What's he got against doves? And would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill them, kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. Why don't we pray? Jesus, thank you that you actually give us an example of anger that we can study, we can learn from, and we can apply to our lives today. We love you and we're so appreciative of you and we thank you for this in your name. Amen. Okay, well, angry Jesus might not be the, the Jesus that you showed up to, uh, to, to uh, meet today. Uh, maybe you heard about this Jesus. Maybe it's your first time tuning in online or coming to a watch party. And you're like, that Jesus isn't the Jesus that I thought I was going to meet here. You see, Jesus 
is uh, fully man and fully God. During his time on earth, he is fully man, he's fully God, and, uh, and in that, he experienced all the emotions that we feel. In fact, most of us as humans have our emotions because they first came from God. And so we're going to unpack anger today as one of the seven deadly sins. And then we're going to um, unpack its reverse, which is meekness, the seven he- heavenly virtues, as an antidote to anger. Now, anger is one of these really interesting things because a lot of us uh, really caricaturize anger. Anger is one of these things that we look at and we go like, well, I'm not like that other person that I think is really angry. And so therefore, I might not struggle with anger. As one pastor that I was, that I was reading or, or listening to this past week uh, declared, he said that anger is one of these sins that actually hides itself in our lives. It's not this blatant sin. As much as when we think of anger, we can certainly bring to mind some different individuals, maybe an individual that you work with in your family, uh, somebody that you live with and that sort of thing. Because we often attribute anger with these outward actions and these outward things that are going on. For me, I can quickly pull up a boss that was punching things uh, in my place of work, and, uh, and it was there that I realized it was in a very bad environment, and it's one of two jobs that I ever quit. And, uh, and so that's what comes to mind when we think of anger. Now, this is a bit of a, a, a dilemma for us today, because if we just conjure up the most characterized version of anger or the most outward version of anger that we have and not consider the hidden nature of anger, we'll actually kind of tune out and not think that this message is for us and not really believe that maybe this has anything to speak to us because we don't deal with the issue of anger ourselves. Now, the hidden nature of anger is this, and it's that Anger is one of the predominant negative emotions that we exhibit as human beings. Love being the primary healthy emotion that we, um, that we exhibit. Anger being the, most, uh, the, the, the emotion that we exhibit uh, the most that is unhealthy. Now next to love in the Bible, the emotion that the, that the Bible talks about the most is actually anger. Now, pastors love to give stats, and it's not just to impress you, but it's to say that the Bible thinks that this is really important. Over 500 times, Scripture refers to anger, and it has a lot of different things to say about anger. And so if love is something that we're striving for, then anger might need to be something that we are avoiding. And because it's a hidden emotion, we need to unpack that a little bit because there's actually likely a lot of us across the other side of the screen that might think, hey, I, I don't deal with this, but maybe you deal with it more than what you think. See, there's different stages of anger. And uh, I'll read them out as, I, as I've written them down during my research. And the different stages of anger are, are these. Irritation would be the lowest form of anger. Indignation would be above that. Wrath would be above indignation. Fury, rage, and hostility. Now, I want to break these down because if we just characterize anger, we often picture wrath, fury, rage, and hostility. But in fact, irritation and indignation live in so many of us daily. Now, when we unpack the hidden value of anger in our lives, it's a little bit like when I discovered my Swiss army knife had more things uh, a part of it than what it actually did. If anybody had grew up with a Swiss army knife, you had all these different things you pull out of the, the large cassette 
uh, place. You just pull them all out. Well, one day I'm just fiddling with my Swiss Army knife, and I don't know how I got this knife. My parents certainly wouldn't have bought me one. We weren't like the gun knife family growing up. You know, you know the type that I'm talking about. Um, and and that type isn't bad, by the way. I love that type. Okay, but um, you know, I, I was pulling it all out, and all of a sudden. At the ends, there's these two little tabs, and I, and I realized they were loose. And I was like, well, I wonder what's in there. And I pull a toothpick. And I'm like, this is brilliant. I can, I can do a lot of things with this. Now, in a seven-year-old's brain, you're like, like, this is the best thing I've ever discovered. And I put it in. On the other side, there was a gray little one. I pull that out. And as you know, that, those were tweezers. Now, the, the amazement of my seven-year-old self to discover that there are these hidden things within my Swiss Army knife. Anger is this thing that we need to actually become amazed with in our lives if we were to deal with it. Now, I don't mean obsessed with. I don't mean, like, happy with. I don't mean, but amazed with in the sense of how hidden it has been able to make itself in our lives and therefore pull it out so we can deal with it because anger, because it's so hidden, can actually become a generational sin. Generational sin isn't something that naturally gets passed off in our DNA. It's something that's exhibited and then picked up through nurture in the generations that come after us. So it's really important to deal with this, okay? So I want to deal with irritation for a second. Irritation is simply a feeling of discomfort in the result of an event or a perceived event. I don't know about you, but I feel um, discomfort quite a bit in my life. And we use different words for this, and they're all attached to anger, but that might be not just irritated, it might be frustrated or annoyed. These are things that actually have their root in anger. Moving up the stages of anger, we got indignation, and indignation already takes on a more severe approach to anger, a feeling that something must be answered or something must be corrected. All throughout the pandemic, I know a lot of people across the screen have felt indignated, if that's a word, my wife will correct me afterwards if it wasn't, at what's been going on. Wrath, a strong desire for revenge. Fury, the partial loss of emotional control. Rage, a loss of control involving aggression or an act of violence. That's what we often attribute to anger. And hostility is actually a persistent form of anger or enmity towards others that becomes rooted in our own personality. If something goes deeper, we actually call this bitterness, and it goes deeper into our souls than any other form of anger. And it's why, yes, violence and aggression is quite, quite bad, but hostility actually changes who we are. Rage can be a moment hostility actually carries out throughout our lives. Now, I touch on all of this because it's important for us to realize that we get frustrated. We get annoyed. Some of us have bouts of anger. Some of us have bouts of frustration. But the question always comes up, and the question is this, is anger wrong? Because clearly Jesus got angry at the temple in the passage that we were just talking about. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, uh, the writer of Ephesians is saying this. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Did you catch that? In your anger, do not sin. So if you're not familiar with Christianity, you might just think, well, yeah, ang anger is a sin. Well, we see Jesus gets angry, and we hear uh, here in Ephesians 4.26 that in your anger, do not sin. So while you're angry, the important, th the important thing with anger is not whether or not you get angry. It's what you do with your anger. One of the things that I actually learned 
through it therapy myself because I was feeling angry during a certain point in my life, is that when you deal with anger in a healthy way, it actually root it actually roots you and grounds you in the human experience. But when we allow it to become unhealthy, we fly off out of rage and we often miss the moment that we're living in. Rage causes us to pull out of a moment where rooting ourselves in the anger that we're feeling, talking about it, and doing some of the healthy things that we're going to talk about in a moment, doing those things actually grounds us in the moment we're experiencing and allows us to learn the things that God actually wants us to learn in the things that we are going through. So the question isn't whether or not you're going to get angry. The question actually becomes, what are you going to do when you get angry? You see, we have this term that we've created as Christians called righteous anger. And it's funny because we just throw righteous in front of anything and we're like, there, it's, it's now a good thing. Now, righteous literally translated means right living. So right living anger means anger in the right way, <laughs> okay? So right living anger, righteous anger means right living anger, which is anger lived in the right way. There's a way to live anger in the right way. The wrong way to live with anger is with hate. The right way to live with anger is with, you probably already said it, but if you're at watch parties, the right way to live with anger is love. Love is the right way to live with anger. And it's important to live with anger because if we do not, we actually dismiss the things that anger is talking about. So a little bit more on anger, and then we're going to talk about what to do with anger, okay? Anger can be both a primary emotion and a secondary emotion. Anger is a primary emotion, reacts to an event or a circumstance or a situation. Anger as a secondary emotion, which is how often most of us feel it, is actually reacting to another feeling. This came up today when I was disciplining my little cute girl, Claire, my baby girl, who I really don't like disciplining because she's so stinking cute, but I had to discipline her. And I felt angry. And I'm like, this can't be the right emotion. And sure enough, if you look a little bit diff- uh, deeper, I was actually just feeling helpless. I'm at home right now by myself with the kids. I don't know where my wife is. She's parading around Sobble Beach by herself. She, I'm kidding. Everybody's like, what is he saying about his wife? I'm obviously joking. No, but I did feel helpless. I am at home, and it's just with uh, Claire and Theo. And uh, it, we're having an incredible time, actually. Um, I, I love when we get a, a alone time. But I was feeling a little helpless because I'm not as good at being alone with the kids by myself. And I was feeling helpless, and it came out as anger. So there's primary emotion of anger, the secondary emotion of anger. And the most interesting thing about anger is that it's almost always rooted, it's almost always rooted in an event, circumstance, or situation. But some of us, okay, it's like a 50-50 split. So it's almost always 51% rooted in real-life events. But 49%, let's say, I'm just like making up based on my research here, is actually based on what we perceive to have happened. You know those situations you run through in your head? Or how many times as a kid you would go to your room after getting in an argument either at school or with a parent or a guardian or that sort of thing. You go to your room and you're like replaying the argument in your head and you're like, man, I should have said this and I should have said this and I should have. Well, we do that as adults. We start judging people from a distance and we start interacting those people together and we start throwing ourselves into situations we may never find ourselves in and we start coming out of those things with angry feelings, frustrations, irritation, indignation, rage at times 
about situations that have never happened. It's interesting because I had to actually process this myself throughout COVID because I was putting scenarios together that hadn't actually happened, but I'm processing them as if they had and coming out feeling angry on the other side. Well, what do we do with that? So if there is such a thing as healthy anger and there's such a thing as unhealthy anger, if we want to call it righteous anger and unrighteous anger, then how do we figure out how to handle our anger properly? And what, how do we categorize and figure out whether or not it is healthy or unhealthy? And what do we do with it in the wake, that, wake of the fact that Jesus clearly got angry? That's a good question. I'm going to answer for you right now. See, a lot of Christians will answer this question this way. They'll start off, like most of us, thinking anger is bad. Then we see something like Jesus getting angry in the temple, or we read Ephesians 4.26, and we go, well, anger can be good. And then we go back to the story of Jesus in the temple, and we go, okay, well, Jesus was angry, and, and in the one account of him doing this, he actually used a whip to drive out these people. So, so even forces of anger can sometimes be okay. Okay, okay, okay. And then we make this weird leap that we constantly make when we read scripture. And it's this. We put ourselves in the seat of Jesus rather than in the seat of the people that Jesus is responding to. See, we're being made like Jesus. That's what sanctification means. Sanctification is a big theological word. That means we are being made like Jesus. We're being made into the likeness of Jesus. But it doesn't mean that we put ourselves in the seat of Jesus as we read Scripture. That's an ideal, but it doesn't mean that that's how we would respond or how we should respond. Because we are actually responding with sin where Jesus was without sin. And so we immediately do this flip and we put ourselves Okay, well, Jesus does this. And so you see so many Christians go from anger is bad as a child to I am justified in whatever anger I want to feel because I know exactly how Jesus would feel in this situation. And it's causing us a lot of trouble. It's causing us a lot of trouble when it comes to people's stances on vaccines. It's causing us a lot of trouble when it comes to things like Black Lives Matter. It causes us a lot of trouble when it comes to other matters that have been around for um, not longer, but, but longer than the last year and a half of events that have come up. Things like abortion and things like um, um, uh, sexuality and things like this. And we immediately take a posture of righteousness and self-righteousness because anger almost always masks itself as self-righteousness. And we take that posture and we justify ourselves in the rage or the, the, uh, the rage, the, what are the other ones that I, that I was listing off there? My notes, they're a little disorganized. Um, The rage, the fury, the wrath, the indignation, and the irritation. What we need to ask ourselves when we come to healthy or unhealthy, one question to ask yourself, and these are going to now come pretty quick. Is Is this a real event I'm responding to, or is this a perceived event that I'm responding to? I don't want to get into conspiracies and all the rest in light of what I just said, but that might also fall into this. Is this something that I know to be true, or is this something that I think to be true? Because if we're responding out of anger of something that we think to be true, we need to check ourselves. That's often masked in prejudice. It's often masked in, um, in, in judgment. It's often masked in not having all the facts and needing to give people the benefit of the doubt that we give ourselves. So that's the first question that we have to ask ourselves, is am I perceiving this right? Now, the second question, and this question is, um, is one that I'm going to park on just for a little bit longer and take just a, a few more mo- moments of our time together, is, is this um, response of anger rooted in justice? 
Now, that's an important question because as we study anger, we start to realize that almost all emotions of anger arise out of a, 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 either a, an actual injustice or a perceived injustice. Now, this is why we can have healthy anger. This is actually the crux of the matter because Jesus has righteous anger in the temple because the people are using God's house for something that he does not desire. He, they've turned it into a place where money is top priority rather than God being top priority. They're oppressing the poor in the temple, not even allowing them to get into the temple based on the things that they're selling and some of the other details I don't have time to give you today. They're actually oppressing the poor, removing them from the temple, creating barriers for them to get into the presence in the house of God. And this is the, actually the very thing that God came to do through the temple and through Jesus is to actually bring the oppressed, the poor, the widow, the enslaved, the orphan into the house and the presence of God. And so when an injustice is being done, our anger is often justified. Now, once you've asked that question, has there been an injustice done? We actually need to ask ourselves now, are we handling our anger appropriately? Because Jesus didn't go into the temple and kill people. Jesus went in and drove out the thing that was tainting the temple. And so in the wake of so many different things happening over the last year and a half, we could ask ourselves this question. Is justice or is anger as a result of an injustice appropriate at any cost? And the answer when we come to scripture is, of course, not. Because Jesus in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 raises the stakes on anger. And he says, listen, you heard that it was said that if you murder somebody, then you've killed somebody. But I'm telling you, if you have harbored anger in your heart towards them, or said raka, which is a term of contempt, uh, you've held this anger in your heart. Anger out of hate is murder. This is essentially the, the new ethic that Jesus is rising up, uh, raising up. And so even when we experience anger at the hands of injustice, we still have some important things to consider. Now, I don't have time to give you all of my notes today. There's plentiful, and I actually think that I might turn this whole message into a series at some time in the next three years, because as I studied, it revealed more and more of my heart to me. But if we were to um, address uh, anger, even when it comes out of a very righteous place, we need to do it with careful assertiveness, which includes problem solving and compassion. So the one thing that we see Jesus doing all throughout his time on earth is have compassion. So many times we get a glimpse into Jesus' life and it says he looked at the crowds with compassion. So many of the acts of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the, the, the times where he healed people and the times where he fed them and the times where he did miraculous things were done after the sentence was uttered. He looked at them and he had compassion on them. See, when Jesus walked into that temple that day, he wasn't walking in with a lack of compassion. He was walking in full of compassion. And I think that this is one of those things that could turn anger upside down on its head and be used for a lot of good in this world, especially at the hands of Christians. If we could understand that anger combined with love and compassion can actually go, anger at injustice at the hands of love and compassion can actually accomplish a lot in the world that we live in. It needs to be done with patience. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, it needs to be done with meekness. Also, 
in the Beatitudes, at the beginning of Jesus' uh, ministry here on earth, or when he started his ministry, in chapter 5, we get this beautiful Beatitude that says, Blessed are the meek, in chapter 5, verse 5, for they will inherit the, wor- the earth. So often when we attribute anger to people, it's often the proud, the boastful, the egotistical that we attribute with anger. And they seem to be the same people that are inheriting the earth today. But I want to encourage you that Jesus in the upside-down kingdom flips this on its head and says, if you can deal with your anger in a compassionate, patient, and meek way, which means humble, if you can do it in this way, you will actually inherit the earth. You will actually get the things that you desire. We think we will get them through rage, through wrath, through fury, through outward acts of these things. But when you actually begin to process anger in a healthy way, it is then that you inherit the things that you want to inherit. It's then that you get the result from injustice that you're actually searching for. See, we can't always get to this place in our anger, looking at Scripture, as James 1 19 says, and it says this, James is writing, and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We look at this, then we combine it with something like Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, than one who takes a city. And of course, we know in light of what we read in the Beatitudes, it's actually the one that is patient that eventually takes the city. You know, if we approach the injustices of our world with patience and meekness, humility, self-control, compassion, and a game plan, there's a better chance of us actually um, uh, showing the city and region that we live in the love of Jesus than if we weren't. But it's easier to say these things. We're not in a fit of rage. Or we're not in a moment of anger. Or we are not, you know, close up to the thing that caused us so much grief, heartache, and, and in this case, anger. And sometimes we find ourselves on that unhealthy ledger. I want to encourage you with two quick things. First, talk to somebody about it. We've got way too many homes that are filled with anger. Way too many homes. Too many close friends of mine that attribute a lot of the things that they're going through today to households that were angry. We've got too much anger at home. We've got too much anger in the workplace. We've got too much anger in the media. And we've got too much anger on your social media. So my encouragement is, number one, talk about it. But when it comes to injustices, sometimes when we want to be meek and we want to be humble and we want to be loving and we want to be compassionate, we want to have a game plan, but we just are so broken by the injustices around us We have nothing left to do because we can't go in that direction. We have nothing left to do but to pray. The last thing I want to introduce you to before I close up here today is the the idea of an imprecatory prayer. The Psalms are a bunch of prayers slash poems slash songs that were mostly, mostly written by a guy named David that were sung in the church in the ancient Near East before Jesus came. These were the songs they sung either going to the temple or at festivals or in the temple. And they sung these psalms and they prayed these prayers. And they're broken up in a whole bunch of different genres. Some of them are celebratory. 
Some of them are festivals. Some of them are ascension, which means on their way up to the temple, they would sing them. And then we get this one type of psalm called the imprecatory psalm. And the imprecatory prayer, I wrote a whole paper on this in university. And it's through the imprecatory prayer that some of us that are still yearning for justice in areas that we don't know how to be meek in, we don't know how to be humble in, we don't know how to be slow to speak in or slow to be angry in, we don't know how to come up with a game plan in, and we don't know how to be humble, maybe, just maybe, the imprecatory psalm is for you. See, David, who went through a slew of terrible things, he was ousted by his own son at one point from the throne. He was a king. Uh, David was a king, and he was ousted by his son. At one point, there was a heist out for him at the hands of his own son. He, he endured so many different things. And when David was angry and didn't know what to do, he sung and prayed imprecatory prayers and songs. And these songs are crazy when you read them. He's telling God to bash the teeth of his enemies, to slaughter entire nations and do crazy things. And when David asks God to do these things, he's praying this imprecatory psalm, which is to say, I don't know what to do with this injustice, but I'm going to feel it before you, God, and I'm going to hand it over to you. Because when I don't know what to do and I don't know how to get to the side of meekness and love and all these different things, I'm going to approach your throne, God, with humility and say, God, this is how I feel, this is how I want to act, and this is how I want you to act. But in your great knowledge and in your great knowledge and, and understanding of everything that's going on, I entrust you with my emotions, I entrust you with my feelings, I entrust you with my immaturity of the way that I can get there. Not immaturity in the sense of, of, of a youth, immaturity of developing into these other ways of being. God, I release this to you, and I trust that you will actually act justly in this situation. So church, this is a bit of a breakdown on anger. I think that even if we just take some time to meditate on this this week and understand that Jesus didn't walk into a temple just angry as we define anger, but he walked in there with, just, with, with justice in mind, with meekness in mind, humility and compassion. If we can get this downloaded into our hearts, I really believe that in all these little moments and big moments of anger, whether it's indignation, irritation, or wrath and rage, I really believe that God can transform who we become. And so this is this week's Seven Deadly Sin, and uh, I'm really excited for next week. I'm going to pray a quick prayer for those that want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're going, hey, um, this Jesus we're talking about today actually seems more real to me, knowing that he experienced some of the emotions I did. All you have to do, Romans says, is put your trust in Jesus in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. So if that's you, if you're watching online live right now, I encourage you, click the button that says raise a hand. But if you're um, watching uh, not live or on demand or at a watch party, I just encourage you, wherever you are, lift a hand and I want to pray for you. Jesus, everybody that wants to make a decision to follow you right now is making a pretty big decision. And one that we can't fully unpack right now. But it's a decision that is made based on what you did for us, not what we do for you. God, you paid a price for our sin on the cross because we can never pay that price ourselves. Yes, you will make us into your likeness after we receive this gift of salvation. But right now we acknowledge that we cannot do anything to earn this salvation. We simply need to receive it in this moment. So for everybody making that decision, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit and a knowledge that you are with them through everything they're going to go through. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a moment. Somebody's going to come up, and they're going to give you more information if you made that decision. But I want to pray for anybody that's here, and you're going, hey, I'm convicted by this message. I don't want you to do anything special. We're going to stand up in a moment to worship. I'm not going to get you to stand up or raise a hand. I just want you to acknowledge in your heart and say, God, this is, this is for me. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those of us that are so angry, whether it's outward or inward, or maybe it's been hidden for a long time, or maybe it's been known for a long time. God, we come to you today and we ask God that you transform anger into understanding whether or not it's appropriate. If it is appropriate, God, we pray that you transform it into something that we're able to deal with, with humility, compassion, with grace, God, with an understanding that if we can come at this with a plan, we could actually overcome a lot of the injustice that we see in our world today. So God, I pray a blessing over everybody that's admitting this, self-admitting this right now. And God, I pray that you would give them the antidote, which is meekness and humility in the face of injustice. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.